Welcome everyone, you were listening to perhaps watching Hot Sauce Sports. Unlike last week, this week I figured out the technology and I'm here to do my own job, which is to introduce the show. Terry, <laughs> the rest is up to you. Give Terry, me time, a, everyone. Give me he's a in score. the house. Literally his own house because we still can't be together. Give me a score on 10 of how I did the intro last week. You did well, actually, especially like... It's because it's awkward if you're not like you're not sure if I'm gonna come back and when I'm gonna come back. So like, and your face is still frozen there. Yeah, because like you don't know if like I'm talking and you just can't hear it, or if I'm you know like if I literally left the room or if I dropped out. What happened is I I uh, like I, I it froze like literally on my end. So I I thought I can restart it and get back in time for the beginning of the show, but unfortunately I was late by uh, half a minute or so. So I either way. Late. You guys filled, uh, filled in wonderfully. Luckily, uh, Duke the Graphite was on the call as well. It would have so, been just me talking. Um, about you, you weren't talking to yourself. I wasn't talking to myself, no. But uh, talking to Duke, sometimes I feel like I'm talking to myself. Oh, yeah. it's He has this ability to like be present, but only his body is there. And, and his I, and mind I, is just in space. I experienced that when we played golf with him this year. <clears throat> oh yeah, you were gonna murder the, him. That was a fun one day. of the worst, one of the most, one of the worst experiences of my life. I'm not gonna. <laughs> he was all over the place, like all over the. He would just go and see the first ball he would see, he would think it was his ball. He was it was like, never his ball. <laughs> and not only that, he would be the fourth one to tee off, and then he would just be. And when it's his turn, he'd be like, "Okay, I'm gonna go get my clubs." No, like you should have got your clubs while everybody else was teeing off. We have people behind us. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's. Just, <laughs> I think if we we gotta get a cameraman out next time just to yeah. film and then cut up all like the golf etiquette that he doesn't observe. Just record him for the entire yeah. round. Glorious. Yeah. I'll bring battery packs on my phone, like strap my phone to my chest. Dude, don't worry about this. I don't it's just a new jacket. We'll figure it out. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Eagle and Master Control, he's the guy who's gonna have to figure out how I'm gonna film him. Uh Eagle, how's it going today? Uh, very well. I would know exactly how to film me because I have all the cameras. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, so we, uh, we got a pretty, pretty fun show today. We have John Liu, uh, from TSN Montreal. Very, I'm looking forward to talking to him. That was the, one of the few guys who in our, in our bloggers chat, we said, Hey, we're going to have John Liu on this week. Everyone like lit up. Like everyone was like super excited to have him on. Um, so it's cool. It's cool to see uh, everyone being excited about the stuff that we're doing if you uh, live on our own Montreal, team. And I'm sure that if translates. You Montreal, if you live in Montreal and you're not a John Lou fan, then I don't know what the fuck. Like, every, like yeah, well, you know, John I'm sure John Trump like, doesn't like him that much. Yeah, whatever. Fuck him. But that's the thing is like everybody knows John Lou is like the best dressed guy. You know, what I mean, he's always fucking dressed to the nines. He's he's unbelievable. His delivery is is unbelievable. And I have a favor to ask him at the end of the interview. One favor. He, He's the piece of TSN, then the best dressed guy in the room. I mean, <laughs> when you just, wear, when you wear, the standard is very low. So best dressed <laughs> has to be also pro- uh, like appropriate to the job that you're doing. You Fair, literally wear true. a tie and collar to a show where we're talking about dicks and porn most of the time. Well, but the thing is, like I've always, when I see a penis, I always imagine it with a bow tie. It makes see, it like a tuxedo. Yeah, like a penis with a tuxedo on it. I can see that. Yeah. Just because, like, especially if it's another dude's penis, it makes it less threatening if he's wearing yeah, it. It's almost like he's gifting it to you. Yeah. yeah it's exactly. like, oh, that's an award? Thank you. It's like when on the hormone monster on Big Mouth when he dresses up, the, he has his little dicks, like his little his little creatures that, that fly out of his nose and he uses them. They're all like a bunch of little hairy dicks and sometimes they wear like bow ties and stuff. It's super cute. 
It's true. It's true. It's, it's, it's <laughs> hilarious. I do like that. I do like. I, I love uh, in that show. So the uh, the hormone monster who travels with his travel decks. He has three uh, decks that he takes out of a suitcase yes. or briefcase, as it as it were. Uh, and there's companions. There is friends. There is uh, confidants. You know, usual oh. as it is. Um, so yeah. So we have we have a fun show ahead. Uh, we offer a whole bunch of stuff. As uh, if you don't know, uh, you know now. Uh, we have our show. We have Healthy Scratch. We have um, your podcast, Terry. Uh, Weekly Sauce. Uh, do you guys know who's on this week? We were supposed to have. Uh, we were supposed to talk about some fights with um, uh, Drew from Drew Experience Pod, but he couldn't make it, so we got a replacement. We got uh, Lambros and um, oh man, I'm forgetting his name. Oh no, we just got Lam- uh, Lambros and Josh. We got them from uh, Drive for Twenty Five podcast. They talk about their habits podcast and their diehard habits. We went on their show a few months ago at the beginning of the season, and um, and now they're coming on ours tonight. So it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be sick. We're gonna talk uh, Suzuki and how big his penis is. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's yeah. always the uh, conversation to have. Um, so yeah, we have a, a litany worth of stuff. Um, if you like what we do, remember to like and subscribe. Uh, watch it if you prefer. Uh, listen if you can't stand seeing us. And if you can't stand seeing or hear us, you can either subscribe or just send us an envelope of cash. We prefer That's it. an envelope yeah. of cash. Yeah. yeah. If we can somehow it. turn this into a Ponzi scheme, I would prefer that than running a podcast network. You can leave it at the Starbucks on Cremesy since I go there every morning. There we go. There we go. Now you know if you want to stock Terry Tab, you know where to find him. <laughs> the um, other day, I'm waiting in the fucking drive-thru. I'm waiting for like 10 minutes. I'm like, there's cars in front of me. And then all of a sudden, the car in front of me just takes off like as if there was no cars in front of him. So I turn the corner and they just decided to close the restaurant and not tell anybody. The Starbucks. Oh, they, just closed the it. they just closed it. They said, fuck it. There's a sign on the window that says, sorry, temporarily unavailable. Well, yeah, it was like, like it was like on a piece of paper cars. with like written, written not even yeah. a marker, but like in pen. Yeah, you have like seven cars back there, man. Like fucking, let <laughs> us know. Somebody come outside, tell us. Listen, we're gonna close. You guys can leave. It's fucking, it's ridiculous, man. So the, and the they got my name wrong. If I need to find like a silver lining about not going to uh, the podcast, it wouldn't be that once in a while Terry brings coffee because that's always super appreciated. Yeah. The one silver lining is we don't need to find parking in winter in that hellhole. Um, do you remember? The amount of times you have to be circling around and around and around looking for where you can park because half the roads are blocked for snow removal. Yeah, when the snow removal, if it's normal, like tonight, if there's a snow removal on that fucking street, it's the worst street in the history of the world. In the world. There's no street that has ever been worse than that street in the history of the world. I'm in walking distance, and I even I agree with you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, the Eagle, I also, when we're at the studio, I also walk to the studio. and Just it's to avoid unpleasant. parking. Yeah, it's it. I'd rather walk an hour than park. How do you walk there, though? It takes forever. It takes an hour. That's Enjoy. how bad the parking is to him. He'd rather walk. But you don't walk I in live the window. On a, I live in a really small street. There's literally seven seven houses, but for some reason, we're the first to get cleaned. Like, you can see, we, we, got, we had a snowstorm yesterday, right? Like, schools were closed and stuff. Um, you could see, you can now see the, the, uh, the pavement on my street. That's how quickly the snow gets removed from my street, which is nonsense to me because we're not a busy street at all. What nonsense is, is we closed the schools yesterday for 10 centimeters of snow and it's as if nobody's ever fucking seen snow before. It's uh, So I actually know why that happens, by the way. It's uh, it's not even the school board's decision per se. It's from Transport Quebec. If the buses can't, uh, can't leave the station easily at the time that they need to leave at like 6.30 in the morning or whenever it is, 
then they basically say schools can't open because we can't go pick up the kids. And they decide that based on the availability of buses and, and if they need to remove buses from the street um, so that they can remove snow more quickly throughout the city. So it's actually a transport. And I think this year it's just because most classes are like online anyway. So if there's going to be any delays, why why even do it? Just, just shut down schools and, and, and clean the snow kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I bring that up because um, Texas is having some trouble dealing with winter. Um, Terry, 130 car pileup in Texas. Um, I, I, I don't believe, Eagle can correct me if I'm wrong, at the time that I checked, there was no confirmed deaths, but that may have changed uh, after that. I will check, but I don't think there was. Oh, so at least it's not that. No, there's but... six dead. Six dead. Six oh, dead. That bad? So that's, yeah. Well, again, yeah, 130 car pileup is insane. I've never seen anything close. 130. I don't think we haven't had that here. But people know how to drive here in the winter. They're used to it, right? There was a snowstorm in San Bernardino last year. This yeah. year, sorry. Well, it, 25 it, centimeters been... in California, in Southern California. It's fucking nuts. It's been it's insane. Bananas. I've seen, I saw a US map with like, you know, all like the blue that represents like which parts are cold and snowing. And then, like, superimposed was a picture that's with, like, a Mortal Kombat character that said, Sub-Zero wins. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was awful. That's the oh, picture. That, that, For those that... not seeing it, it's uh, the picture of the 130-car pilot. Holy fuck. But it's not even snowing there. I mean, no. It's because people don't know how to drive in the slight a bit of slipperiness, right? Because you barely get rain, and when you do, it's not that bad. So when the roads start becoming just a little bit icy, you're... We know this. You, your brake distance is significant. We have winter tires. We have salt yeah. on the road. People there are like, I'm just going to brake like I usually do, right? Right up the guy's ass. <laughs> and it doesn't work. And then so a it, truck when, falls over and squishes you. W- w- the first year we'd gone back to Georgia, um, the, the family that we, we hang around with told us, um, hey, uh, yeah, it's good that you guys didn't come last year. Last year there was like, you know, Four inches of snow. It was it was snowmageddon. Uh, people literally abandoned their cars on the highway. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, the snow and and highway weren't cleared for days because they had one they had one plow. They needed to borrow plows from other states. In Atlanta, makes no fucking sense. Makes no fucking sense. We had it here oh. a couple years ago where there was like a huge thing where people abandoned their cars on the highway, but like. That was because it was like 80 centimeters of snow. Yeah. The thing is, um, I mean, maybe at this point, instead of denying that weather's changing, invest in plows. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mean to be a dick, but you know. There's a plow company in Texas I can invest in. But you, actually, you know what? We're going to set up Mr. Plow down in, uh, down plow in the in south there. You mean you Mr. Do plow, it. that's my name. My name again is <laughs> Mr. Plow. And without any other dalliance, it's time for the news. Ah, Terry is the news. Is it? It is, absolutely. It's time for it. Um... Blake Griffin, I actually had an article about this uh, this week, so if you want to check it out, it's at www.hotsawsports.ca. Blake Griffin is being benched uh, while the team and he can come to um, a conclusion to the rest of his career. He's on the books for two more years as as a max salary player. 
Um, the complication, and, and what the article boils down to is trading is going to be difficult because teams will want them to include a first-round pick to give them the salary relief. So, like, if you want us to take Blake, Blake Griffin and that salary, you're going to have to you're going to have to give us um, an, uh, like a first-round pick. But Detroit's pretty terrible, so that that first-round pick's super valuable. It's actually a lottery yeah. pick, so they they uh, they're not going to want to do that. So in the end, I think what's going to happen is he's going to get bought out. And sort of the you know the nice side of this, we talked about silver linings in the introduction. The silver lining to this situation is um, he's going to at least choose his fate because he sent an extension, um, and then seven weeks later was traded from the Clippers to Detroit, where he had no interest in playing in the first. So one of the best lines of your article was when you're like, it's National Side Piece Day. And yeah, it was. Fit- it actually was. <laughs> yeah, it's fitting because Blake, the 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 Pistons basically told Blake that he wasn't the one. Like that was, it was it was a fucking awesome line. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I I'm not surprised. I mean, I think we're getting to a point now where a lot of these guys are on like these super max deals and and they're not performing to how they should be performing and. Yeah, I mean, there's all this thing of like, oh, can, is he going to go back to the Clippers? Yada, yada. Steve Ballmer, he didn't shake Steve Ballmer's hand three years ago. So like, he's not going back to the Clippers. That yeah, was a not. very personal situation. Yeah, 100%. He saw him too. He saw that. He kind of gave him the whole yeah. like, he lifted his head. He saw him a little bit. But the thing with Blake Griffin to me is like, is he performing at that level? It's going to be hard for them to get the value that they want for him because he just costs way too much money. What team is going to pay that much money? But you they're know, gonna well, have to do a, a team that would take a first round pick from the Pistons as well. But like I said, that's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. That's yeah. You saying. know what he should do? He should go back to driving Ubers because he was good at that. He's mean? also a, a fantastic stand-up comedian. I wouldn't say fantastic though. I saw him live. I mean, by, by uh, basketball standards. By basketball standards, he's a pretty. Fu- he's just a fun, a naturally funny guy. But as a comedian, I'm not a huge fan. But he is a naturally funny human being. Like he understands, like humor. He knows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's self-aware. He gets things like he gets it. Like he's 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 on it. Like he'd be very good. Like on like he did like the the roasts and things like that. He's good at that stuff. But when it comes to like pure stand-up comedy, I don't know. I, I didn't like him too much. I, I saw, can already like, see uh, his next material. He's like, so here's what I did with my life. I got a super max deal, and then I play like shit. Yeah, hundred percent. That's it. Should be one of his bits. It's like, listen, so, the best thing to do is get, just get drafted in the first round. Well, first overall. First overall was he a first overall pick? He was first overall pick. Yeah. It's known as the Blake Griffin draft. Get drafted as first overall. Be be good for like three years, then mediocre, and then you start sucking a little bit too much. Where you get a super max deal for a shitty team, make that team even worse, and then get traded to a team that's a contender, win a championship. That's that's the recipe of a fucking a journeyman in the NBA. So I'm gonna give you two stats that sound like like they happened a thousand years ago. The first one is uh, the last season Blake Griffin. Put up 24 and a half points per game. Last season. It was not last season. It oh, was because okay. uh, he was injured most of last season. It was a 2019 season. Okay, so that tough. season, in December of that season, that was the last time Blake Griffin has dunked a basketball. Okay. So Blake Griffin, he the dude who game. the worry was about drafting was that he could only dunk. He hasn't dunked in two years. And he still scores 24 and a half points. Well, he was. Now it's down was. to 12 and a half and the shooting is down. And he was, he was shooting 36% from three for a guy who was not a natural shooter. That's, that's excellent. I and now was, that's way down I thought he's well. been washed up for a while. Like I'm a Blake Griffin guy. Like I'm not hating on him, but I thought he was a little washed up, but like you're telling me 24 and a half points two years ago, that's still a big. Money that's the thing. Do. That's that. Like, yeah. 
he he's the injuries have taken a toll. Like you just by, like throw the numbers away. When you're watching him play, he's not explosive. He looks worn down. It's hard to see. Uh, but again, the fact that this guy it's it's like it's like if I told you the last time Zion dunked was two years ago, you thought you think I was crazy, right? Like that's what Blake Griffin was when he got to the league. Maybe not quite as 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 mobile as and you know not the, the ability to move that Zion had, but just explosiveness to the net. Like that's that's the closest comp we had to Zion was was Blake Griffin in his rookie year. Yeah, it's. I think it's the. I think it's the best comp we have. It's. It's a good point because I see that too. Like I see kind of the Zion's the whole thing with, with just the way he's been progressed. Exactly like Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin coming out of Oklahoma was unreal, man. I was a huge fan coming. Well, well they, and and both and Zion also missed a bunch of his first season because of an injury, like Blake Griffin did. Because yeah, that style of play is really hard on the body. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's tough. To, it's tough. Uh, tough to see for Blake. Hopefully, he finds a home soon. Hopefully, he finds a resolution soon. He's still good enough to help a team, and and there's enough teams out there that are great at rehabbing talent. So we hope to see that soon. Um, there's another situation uh, occurring with a former teammate, Andre Drummond, also being benched as um, the Cavs look for a solution for his future. And Draymond Green actually had a response to players being handled this way. And here it is. Before the game. Uh, sit on the sideline, then go to the back, and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him. It's bullshit. Because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for one to go to a different team and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy. And then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer and he's not good in someone's locker room and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game, and we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. Because as a player, you're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation. But but a team can say they're trading you and that man is to stay in shape. He is to stay professional. And if not, his career is on the line. At some point, this league has to protect the players from embarrassment like that. You know, we talk all of this stuff about you can't do this. You can't say that publicly. If you say that publicly, you're fine. Anthony Davis got fined, I think, $100,000 or something like that for demanding a trade publicly. But you can say Andre Drummond's getting traded publicly and we're looking to trade him publicly and he's to stay professional and just deal with it. But then when Kyrie Irving say, oh, my mental health is off, everybody go crazy about that too. Do you not think that affects someone mentally? As much as we put into this game to be great. Yeah. And there we go. He's uh, pretty spot on for a guy I usually disagree with. I think he's pretty spot on. The thing is, is that with 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 we take it for granted. These players are assets, right? I mean, th- 
it's a business first. It's always been a business first. Regardless of if it's a game, it's a fucking business. There's an owner. The owner owns the assets, right? So he has the right to reel and wheel and deal them as much as he wants. Now, what that's not what Draymond Green is complaining about. What Draymond Green is saying is that is like we it, it, there's there's a double standard here. It's like they can go out and say we're shopping this guy, this guy, and this guy, but as soon as that player says I want to get traded, he's He's uh he's ostracized and he's like he used the word castrated and you know what I, think, I was I think one of the guys to say that chastised by the way yeah and what did I say I said chastised no no I, I think I think Draymond Green wants to say chastised but said yeah. castrated and then my mind went to it was like okay uh, James Harden we'll trade you but we'll take your balls we're also gonna take your dick and that's pretty <laughs> much it. So no, but I, I was I was a guy who hated on Harden, not necessarily for asking for the trade. I hated on Harden for wanting to go specifically to Brooklyn. That was my hate. But I I listen, you, you're it's your right. You're a fucking human being. If you don't want to live in that city, if I decided today I don't want to live in Montreal anymore, then I'm going to fucking San Diego, wherever the fuck I want to go. Who's gonna tell me otherwise? Why should James Harden not be able to say the same thing? Why is Andre Drummond? Why does he have to be scared for his life, for his his job, and his the rest of his career? Because if he doesn't act professionally, then they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get a lesser value for him or whatever it is. I think it's ridiculous. I agree with with Draymond Green for the most part. I think that these these players are that they're used up until they not needed anymore, and when they're not needed, they're dished off like a cum rag. That's I mean, just to, to add to that and everything, you know, there's obviously a lot of things that happen behind the scenes, but you know, publicly coming out saying you want to be moved or you want to be traded is a negotiating tactic by your agent, right? Like if, if the organization isn't taking your demand seriously, well then you leak it to the press and then the press goes off with it and then suddenly everyone wants you, right? Or what's going on? So if your value drops, well, too bad. You gave the team an opportunity. They didn't do anything with it. And so now you're taking it into your own hands. Yeah, well, hard in hardest case, they offered him fifty million dollars, but he just didn't want to be there. Yeah, there, that, that, that's also a fair thing too, right? You're like, I don't want to play here anymore. Move me. Yeah. So, like, there's a couple things. One, Draymond Green's a bad messenger, right? Like, we all know the dude's a bit of an asshole, and he would probably say it as well. But he is yeah, actually right. absolutely right to your point. And and the thing with the, the the James Harden thing, yeah, he was offered fifty million dollars, but like, isn't that what fans want? Guys to not pay for the play for the paycheck. Guys who want to compete and win championships like that's what you want in, in your athletes but then when they're telling you listen the team's not doing it for us the team is not going on and, and making the team better around me then they get apparently castrated uh, i would say more just publicly chastised uh but the other thing is is that like we look we look at these situations and it, it's the weirdest thing in the world to me that people who are largely employees side with ownership who are employers but if they were themselves in that position they would always take the side of the employees because that that more closely represents their reality it's just really strange that they're like you know what you know who's got it right not the spoiled millionaires those poor billionaires they're the ones we gotta look after poor guys it's just really strange just really strange um and 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 not only is that the strangest thing is that we look at these three guys specifically, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, and okay, Draymond Green's a little different in terms of the way he's used. It, it's more modern, but definitely Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, those guys ran the league a decade ago, and now Andre Drummond can't get on the court. It, it's mind-boggling. You know, like he didn't know when he was training his, his entire life that the entire game would change while he was in the NBA, and here we are. So uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see some resolution for the players. 
uh, Kyrie Irving and James Harden uh, have an interesting dynamic. Terry, these are these are your two favorite guys, I know. Uh, but here is Kyrie uh, with his indications about who should be handling the ball in Brooklyn. Just wondering what what you made of of James Harden's passing performance tonight. Uh, just staying consistent. I feel. Like he's just been doing a great job of just managing the point guard role. You know, we established that maybe four days ago now. I just looked at him and I said, you're the point guard and I'm going to play shooting guard. And that was as simple as that. So he's been taking control of the responsibilities and doing an incredible job. And it just makes my job easier to just go out and play, um, play free and just make plays. So it's a luxury. Just wanted to continue. You know what, Pete? You know what, Pete? Uh, you're going to be uh, the producer and Eagle's going to host the show from now on. Uh, no, <laughs> nobody wants that. <laughs> I, I think I'd actually be a pretty good host though, but you'd be you a terrible be producer. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's the, the trade value there is. That's like, it's not the downgrade at, at, um, hosting the show. It would absolutely be the downgrade in production. It would be terrible. We, the first ever show to appear in text. Um, so, uh, <laughs> It'll just be ASCII penises everywhere. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is like, it's funny that I've watched a lot of, of, of Brooklyn Nets this season. There wasn't a debate. Harden took the ball when he got there. And like the hardest thing, it's often said like the hardest thing in situations like this is who gets a sacrifice, right? And when you look at the original big three with, with uh, the Heat, um, LeBron's game is, is very different from these three guys, and, and Dwayne Wade's game is very different from these three guys, but still someone had to uh, sacrifice. And Chris Bosh said, like, he legitimately didn't know that he, he'd have to sacrifice, how much he'd have to sacrifice until he got there. And then he was like, ooh, oh, no, wait a second. Yeah, I'm really good, but, you know, those guys, those guys are two of the best of all time. And Kyrie, I hope this is him realizing it and not – being you know weird because he can be because Kyrie is absolutely the third best player in that recent. I agree. I mean, I agree. I mean, I think he's a little more well-rounded than James Harden is, but uh, overall, I think that he's yeah he's the third best player in the team. But I mean, listen, th- they're both such good athletes that they can each play that role. They can even rotate it mid-play. You know what I mean? Like it's just this. It's the way that th- it's the reason why they're going to have success in the playoffs is because you don't know who's going to do what. But to to have Kyrie, who's normally a point guard, right? To him yeah. say. I'm a shooting guard and you're the point guard to a guy who's only played shooting guard his entire career. And that's but that, but that, that, that whole concept doesn't exist anymore, right? Like Le- LeBron yeah. James is the point guard half the time. Hell, I've seen Blake Griffin carry the ball up the court Giannis uh, for is the Detroit point guard. at points. You know? Giannis is the point guard. Oh, Giannis. Giannis as well. Like, like yeah. it's not really like – it's kind of positionless. Positions only kind of matter on defense in a way because you're, you're choosing specific matchups. But like – as for who plays point guard, who plays wing, like like last year, uh, the Hawks didn't have anyone over there in their roster over six foot nine. That's so true. like they didn't have a traditional power forward or center on their, on their entire roster. So I mean, That's the whole concept is gone. Can yeah, we just go true. back to so, the days where you have Shaq stand under the net and just slam the ball in? Like it's so easy. Just do that. Most, dom- yeah, most th- dominant player at one position in the history of sports. That would have been Andre Drummond. <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> you. And now he can't find a team. Yeah. Um, so Vincent Jackson passed away. Uh, he was wide receiver for uh, the Buccaneers and the Chargers. When he was with the Chargers, uh, Duke the Graphite, uh, my brother and I, we actually got to see him play in person. Um, and to hear him die at my age, at 38 years old, 
um, is shocking. Not a lot of details have come out. Um, the one thing that has come out is he seemed to be suffering from severe depression, alcoholism, self-medication, and the worry is he may, uh, might have had CTE. Um, it's a difficult situation, and I'll let you say your piece on it here. So Vince, Vincent Jackson is like is like we when we had David Sanchez on a couple weeks ago we spoke about like the best of the rest receivers and I I'll throw Vincent Jackson in there because Vincent Jackson during the time when they had Ladanian Tomlinson Antonio Gates Philip Rivers and him like it was it was hard to beat that team you know what I mean like they were a very good team that offense was flying and Vincent Jackson was a key part of that and going to the Bucks I mean he, he didn't have the same success but you know he still was Vincent Jackson and you know. I, it's tough when you grow up. He's only three years older than I am, and you. I grew up watching this guy play football, and for to hear these stories, it's not as it's sad because he's not the only one that's going to suffer from this, and this isn't the last time we're going to hear somebody of somebody doing something to themselves because of the damages they suffered while they played the sport. And so, the, of course, Twitter's filled with everyone, uh, all the, all the people saying there's a war on football and. You know, CTE is bullshit and so on. But here's the thing. No one's saying, you know what, Vincent Jackson, Jackson shouldn't have played football. All they're saying is we need to do some research to see how we can protect, protect players to keep them from developing symptoms. And then if they do so, we need early on in their careers to start supporting them with uh, mental health issues, uh, give them help. And, and you know, and, and the, the NFL has done a lot in terms of, paying out settlements in CTE, but I think that the time has come that they need to invest their time. Because whether it's CTE related or not, the guy is a former employee who suffered from depression, who suffered from alcoholism, and he legitimately, Terry, he was living in a hotel. That's not someone who feels like he's got a support system around him. You know what I mean? So hopefully we'll get some more information about his death. But uh, what we learned so far is uh, it's, it's completely tragic, and we only hope that um, the league, and it's like we said last week about, about Wheeler and, and the situation with his girlfriend. We're not excusing the behavior because of bipolar disorder, but if bipolar disorder was part of of this uh, situation that created that situation for that woman, it's a complete disservice to not address these situations in advance. The thing about the thing about CT and people say, oh no, it, it doesn't exist and things like that, they're dumb because there's so many people that have come out that's like it's just like it's a known correlation. It's like when they look at this person and why he did this and they look at his brain, wow, they have that CTE. You know, and it just continues and, and it just keeps on being like check mark, being proven right, proven right, proven right every single time. And I mean, I was listening to uh, Matt Michonne. He's a he's a UFC, well, MMA fighter. He used to play in the NFL, and he said he's like. And they asked him, so w- would you let your kids play football? He said, I'm not letting my kid put on a football helmet until he's like 16 years old if he wants to play football because his brain is so mush up until that point that I'm not going to let him do that. And I can see that point because he's like, I, he's like, I have headaches to this day just from football, not from fighting. He's like Dominic football. Foxworth, who's a former NFL worst. player. When he talks about playing the NFL, he he almost sounds like back in the day what a miner would sound like. Like, no, my kids are never going to work the coal mines. I made the sacrifice for them so they don't have to. That's what he says about football. He's like, I made the sacrifice. I got hurt playing football so my kids will never have to. Yeah. And that's that's the first generation of, of, of football players where we're seeing this to be the case. Um, we have some other interesting topics to get to. I think we're going to get to them instead. No, with yeah, we, can John we can do it now. We can do it now. We can do it now? Okay. So let's do it quickly, Terry. Um, The Houston Texans falling apart completely. J.J. Watt released. 
Deshaun Watson uh, makes you like at this point you can't even wonder why he wants to trade at this point. Um, let's not forget that there was it two seasons removed or a season and a half removed from leading the Chiefs twenty-four to three in the first half in a playoff game. In a playoff game. It's crazy to me how this, how Bill O'Brien ruined this fucking organization. He got rid of all their picks, and now J.J. Watt is so he's he ruined the organization so bad that when he left, J.J. Watt asked for Bill O'Brien to leave, and now that he's gone, J.J. Watt still wants to leave. He's like, J.J. Watt is Houston. Like, there's nobody more Houston than J.J. Watt, a guy from Wisconsin. He's fucking he is Houston. He's done everything for that city, and for him to want to leave is a bad sign. And Deshaun Watson seeing that and being like, listen. I mean, I want out too. This is what I need. I want to trade or whatever it is. Everybody's freaking out over, oh, J.J. Watt asked for, uh, wants to leave and they release him. How come they can't release Deshaun Watson? Because Deshaun Watson is 26 years fucking old or whatever he is. Yeah. And he has another 10 years left in his career. And his value is a lot higher than the 33-year-old J.J. Watt who is injured every single year. You know what I mean? Like People are dumb. People are stupid. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna get way more value for uh, Deshaun Watson, um, and even like JJ Watt um, was still like in the top like this top quintile of uh, linemen receiving double teams like this season. So given the fact that like he only he only had five sacks, he also took on uh, an insane amount of double teams uh, as he always has in his career. And look, he might not be the same player, but he can still you know he's still a beneficial player. He's still a guy who's gonna He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like it's he's he's a very talented player who, uh, again, you know, was run out of town. Like I'm looking at this and it just feels like Houston's new Detroit. Detroit kept making guys retire early. These guys are trying to find a way to keep playing in the NFL, but it won't. It will not be with the Texans. And um, strange situation. We also see Nuke DeAndre Hopkins saying about Deshaun Watson wanting to leave town. Um, he said that he'd like to reunite and finish what they started. So I know, like, you know, Kyler Murray's... I don't even think it's a slight to Kyler Murray because he's a nice young player, but I mean, Deshaun Watson has just already taken those steps in his improvement and is ready to win now, where Kyler Murray is used to look very talented but might need a season or two before he gets to really where he's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 sold on Kyler Murray, I think. I mean, he had a rough year this year, but... He's. I'm, I'm sold on. Like I'm. I think he's going to be here for a long time. He's very good. Russell Wilson also kind of making some noise, making, you know, in the very Russell Wilson way, kind of saying that you know he doesn't know what his future holds. And his wife was saying like she acted like she'd never been to Seattle. She's like, oh yeah, God. Seattle's got nice nature, I think. And yeah, she's um, like, I went. I yeah, I've been to lakes. So. <laughs> Does she even live in Seattle? Like, I don't even know. Does she live in know. L.A., New York, and she flies in every weekend? Russell Wilson is by far the cheesiest guy in the history of sports. I well, think, I saw uh, – I was writing I was writing the script, Terry, and I was like, J.J. Watt and Russell Wilson, has there ever been a combination of two cheesier free agents ever? It's the – they're the two guys that are like always – they always know when the camera's on. Always. Yeah, they're the ones when you're watching porn and like they're just so such bad actors that they keep looking at the camera and it takes you out of the moment and like I can't watch this. I'm done. Yeah, exactly. Uh Russell Wilson is cringy, like cringy beyond belief. Like all the ads. He's, he's Mr. Unlimited. Right? What is so, that? What is that? That's a thing he actually said two years ago on Twitter. He said I'm unlimited. He said, I'm Mr. Unlimited. What does that what mean? Was the, what was the point of that? I, nobody knows to this day. 
except that uh, his limits might be without limit. He's like the cleanest guy ever, okay? And then when he went, signed his big contract, he posted a picture on Instagram, like, like posing next to all his cars with, like, this expensive clothing. I'm like, this is not you. It's like, so weird. It's not you. You are a Bible-humping, uh, clean-cut guy who never broke the law. I mean, that's you. You never cheated on a test. You're the good guy. Don't act like you're this fringe bad guy that we don't really know. We can't figure out. We figured you out a long time ago, Russell Wilson. You're you the guy because... that your sister shouldn't worry about. Do you think it's because they're not letting him cook in Seattle and now he put, <laughs> he put that trademark out and he's like, fuck, I got to ah, go to another point. team? That's a good point. Um, my wife actually saw him in a Bose commercial, and from the Bose commercial was like, I don't like this guy. He's the cheesiest guy ever. You know how hard it is to come across as cheesy when all you're doing is selling noise suppression? Like, <laughs> all you got to do is convey the idea that you can't you can't hear the airplane. Like, that's all you got to do. It's not complicated. It's an easy but sales job. It's Just he... like the sales job we have next. Um, if there's ever an interview to catch, it's a catch with a guy of the caliber of John Liu. And he joins us next. And we're back. Uh, as promised, John Liu of TSN Montreal joins us. John, how's, how's everything going? Uh, it's going great, guys. Thanks for inviting me on. really appreciate it. It's always, uh, it's always fun to uh, join a different podcast. And so uh, I'm looking forward to having some fun. Well, hopefully uh, we don't screw this up enough so you can come back eventually. And <laughs> And maybe we'll or see a little bit more up. of the, or you don't. No, you you can't screw anything up, John. So that's the thing about you, about you, John, is that as soon as I told a couple of people you're coming on, everybody was like, oh, "I love John Lou. I love John Lou. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't like you in the media, and that's why I'm I'm super excited to have you, especially from well, Montreal. Thank you. That's very kind. But I'm sure that there TSN are plenty Montreal who don't uh, agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't see it in my face. Well, they're empirically wrong. That's simply <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Uh, John, thanks for coming on. Um, I wanted to mention, obviously, uh, we are into Montreal Canadian season, um, and I want to get your thoughts on uh, the season so far, and if the team is playing beyond what you expected at this point in the season. I think what they've achieved so far has exceeded what I thought they would, uh, simply because they had so many, so, so many new additions in key spots in their roster you know top six backup goalier and now what we're seeing jake allen is a 1a um a top 4d and they only had a week-long training camp and so i thought well it's probably going to take a little bit of time for all those pieces to fall into place but then they had a terrific road trip to start the season and yeah they've had a little bit of a rough patch but that's to be expected when you when you see teams a second time around or you get a team like Ottawa that really has nothing to lose. And so what we saw over the last handful of games is a little bit of uh, the ebb and flow that's to be expected because certainly a you know, 6-0-2 start, that's not going to be sustainable. Like That just yeah. isn't realistic for any team, right? Not so uh, have they exceeded expectations in my view? At this stage of the season, they have. But they've shown a lot of, um, I think, positive signs uh, to indicate that's they, that they can uh, – once they hit their stride as a group, uh, they can be a pretty consistent team and, and, and could go places this season. So you mentioned the group is like, is this, what kind of a group is this? Are we talking about like a group that you've seen in the past that has success, like in 2010? I mean, are you seeing anything like that when it comes to this team? Um, very different. Um, I mean, any team that I've covered, uh, this is my 14th season, I think, 
14th season covering this team. And I have to say that's even though we in the media don't have access to the players in the dressing room, we haven't since last March. Um, so you don't get to see the dynamics aside from what's happening on the ice. Just from what I've observed and what the players have been telling us, this seems to be uh, a much more cohesive group. You know that they uh, that the culture, uh, which is by and large uh, the tone is set by by Shea Weber, um, they've never had in all the years that I've covered the team they haven't had a, a leader in that room like Shea Weber, and so I think you're seeing um, signs of when they bring pieces together that are a more complete, a deeper lineup. Uh, that are incorporating into the way they want to do things and with the culture that's already intact, uh, this this team, if they go on to uh, to, to post a really uh, a good record and go deep in the playoffs like, like they did in 2010 or 2014, then I'd have to say that there are elements of, of this group that make them, uh, I think, more special. Uh, which is probably the best way to describe it than than previous incarnations in the past that have thrilled fans in the playoffs. So we saw a trade, um, I think a couple of nights ago, when Alex Galchenyuk got, got moved and he's now in his seventh team. And I, I saw the thing that you tend to see on Twitter where fans get excited about someone's misfortune after they leave the team. And I, find, I always find it to be a strange reaction because, you know, for me, if someone played in the city, just because it didn't work out, you kind of hope you would hope that someone would hope, be hoping for the best for them, and especially given that he had such a such personal demons he was dealing with while he was here, and definitely in Montreal. If you let this city, you know, swallow your demons, it will. Um, so, what was your reaction to seeing sort of people taking a victory lap on the latest Galchenyuk trade? That's, you know what, that's really unfortunate and it's uncalled for um, because for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, Alex Galchenyuk hasn't been able to get his career uh, back on track. Um, I mean, with the Canadians, he still enjoyed his greatest success, but uh, there were flaws in his game and continue to be flaws. Otherwise, he would have stayed stuck with Pittsburgh or Minnesota, you know, any one of those teams that or Arizona for that matter. Right. Um and it's too bad because he has a ton of skill and fundamentally he's he's a good kid. Um, it's just that there are things that have gotten in the way of him being able to realize his potential baggage, however you want to describe it. And I'm not going to go in depth with that. But um, the fact of the matter is, you know, to to sort of dance on the guy's grave after he's left your city and your team. I, I don't quite understand that. Um, I think what that speaks to is is the difference between a hockey fan any fan of a particular team, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're a hockey fan, then it's like, well, you're going to like players from every team around the league. You know, you're going to you're going to be excited by their play. You're going to be rooting for their success, right? Um, but if you're solely dedicated to your own team, well, then I suppose that explains why there would be some people who'd be kicking dirt on his grave. But um, but for what reason? I, for what le- legitimate reason? I don't know. Um, so. I was yeah. I was a Galchenyuk fan when he got drafted. I bought his jersey. I still have it. I've tweeted at him a few times so he can sign it and send it back to me. Like I'll pay for all the fees, like whatever. But he hasn't answered yet, so <laughs> I'm still working. I'm still working on that. So uh, I, I like him, and it's and it's tough to see this because he was such. He was he scored 30 goals his rookie year. Like he was on fire. Like he's a good player, and 
you know, and from what I hear, John, you're not the only one that, that says that. He's a good kid, too. So it's tough that hopefully that he figures it all out. I think he, we, he, we're going to see a second half to this kid's career, and he's going to figure it out at one point. There's going to be a team that gives him that chance, and he'll be able to have – he's going to end his career properly. I really feel that about Galchenyuk. I want to feel that, too. Yeah. Well, I think fundamentally, though, we all know that NHL coaches value players that are reliable that are responsible at both ends of the ice. And that's always been something that's that's held Galchenyuk back, that, uh, that his attention to detail in the defensive zone still needs work, right? And so until he figures that out, he's not going to be able to, to, to get on and stick with the team. And uh, so uh, we'll see what's, uh, what happens in Toronto. Um, but it's just a, it's a funny year for player movement, just because yeah. if teams are going to take a flyer on somebody, it really becomes a case of if he can't contribute right away, then are they willing to to take on on that cap hit? Um, can they make space in the roster? Um, because movement up and down with the taxi squad that's that's a that's a tactic that teams are are going to be taking regularly. We've seen it plenty with around the league. So it's a hard season for guys to try to get their. See the get their careers back on track, and so it's uh, it's really tough for Galchenyuk because now what is this? This is his third team this season now, right? This season, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, actually, I, I was actually Carolina. I was hopeful for him uh, in Arizona. I'm like, oh, that's going to be great for him. You know, smaller market team, nice place to live, no real stress, doesn't have to worry about the Montreal media. Like we know what the Montreal media is here, and it's like, and how the fans, how passionate they are. And you mentioned it before, is that sometimes we we become too too close to the team, so we end we end up becoming fans of cloth, basically. You know what I mean? Like it's it's material, it's fabric. It's not necessarily the reality of like if like how many players left Montreal and played for the Bruins after. You know, they weren't thinking, oh, I can't play for the Bruins. I just play for Montreal, and and we're supposed to be mad at them for joining the Bruins, but they're just looking out for themselves, right? And that's at the end of the day, I have a season ticket holder. I'm gonna yell at Bruins players, you know, from the top from the back row, you know, all the way up top. And it's like, we need to differentiate the, the, how we treat the humans that actually put on the cloth that we love so much, even regardless of if they play with us or not. That's well, and you hit it on the head. Uh, you know, that, that's so true. Terry is the bottom line is that these guys are humans. They're, they're, they're people just like us, except they just happen to be blessed with freakish talent, athletic ability that we can only dream of experience well now now you're assuming that we don't have excessive we don't have excellent athletic ability now john i'm being offended i'm offended here i'm triggered (laughs) well you'd be right first of all well secondly it's not galchenyuk's fault that podcasting doesn't pay better than it does terry yeah exactly (laughs) not his fault we can't blame him. well i'll tell you though it's like you know what guys that are on the taxi squad third pairing fourth line extra forwards extra d those guys can all ball oh yeah It's 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 just to be able to the talent level to be able to get to the league is it's it, it's kind of unfathomable. And then to stay there, it, it's because of the competition and and, uh, you know, salaries and, you know, guys coming up, young guys coming up all the time. It's uh, it's a real grind. And so, um, no, I what comes along with that, too, you know, the um, um the mental health issues that accompany what players experience. Yeah. You know what? The guys that are the absolute best, they make millions of dollars and the guys that are on entry level or, or um, league minimum contracts, they're still earning way more than the average person 
will. But the fact of the matter is that there's only 700 odd jobs like that in the world, right? In the best league in the world. So they are the best. They are the best in the world. So the market bears it out that that's what they're, they're going to get paid. And uh, um, I, I run I run kids tournaments in Montreal. I don't know if you heard the Montreal Meltdown. I work for the Montreal Meltdown. It's like this AAA tournament. And there's always kids that come from like different cities and Boston Junior Bruins. They come. And I remember there's there was one team called the East Coast Selects. And there was five first round picks on that team in the NHL. And that same tournament, Taylor Hall played against them. And he was they're 16 years old. This is right before they go to the O or the Q or wherever they're going. And um, Taylor Hall scored like eight goals a game. You know, until he got to the finals and he played up against uh, Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne was playing a year younger. And I'm, we're watching the game and there's 16-year-old kids. I'm like, these two kids are going to be stars of the, in the NHL one game and uh, at one point. And they both became that. You know what I mean? And it's you can tell right away who it is that's going to make it, a player like Alex Galchenyuk. But there's those other guys on the roster that are just equally as good, just maybe not as at scoring goals. And those are the guys that fill those third lines, like you're saying, John. And it, it, they are leaps and bounds ahead of the best player that I grew up playing with. You know what I mean? And I think we have to consider that when we say that they suck because they don't actually suck. No, and, and players, uh, you, you know what? I mean, Phil Deneau is another good example because he was Perfect. a real big-time scorer in junior. But uh, so far in his career, he's accepted a role that he's managed to, to grow into and, and exceed uh, to, to a large degree uh, simply because of dedication and mental toughness um, and, and the skill shining in, in at the right moments and opportunities. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, guys, will they'll take whatever role that is necessary in order to stay in the league. Again, you know, getting there is hard. Staying there for the long term is harder. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you really can't just say that, oh, well, that guy's, you know, he's a he, he's a depth player or whatever. It's like because, no, like, give it all. Yeah. yeah. But again, players have ceilings, too, that, Absolutely. you know, their best isn't necessarily going to measure up to the absolute best, the upper echelon uh, tiers of talent, uh, in addition to the, the mental toughness and the will. Like, will is so important. The old cliche about will without or skill without will doesn't get you anywhere. And it's true. You know, lots of talented guys make it to the league, but they might not stick around because they just don't have the mental toughness to be able to 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 be able to make a to to succeed in the long long run. There's a lot of kids from Montreal, like Jason Demers is a good example. I think he got cut from like his midget double A team, you know what I mean? And then he ends up playing 15 years in the NHL and making six, seven million dollars a year. And it's just crazy how timing is everything. David Perron is another example. And, you know, him, he he didn't really get drafted into the queue and he had to work his way up and ECHL to the AHL and finally on a team, Stanley Cup champ, you know, like it's just it's you take your opportunities. And I think a lot of these guys uh, lose the opportunity and they don't realize what the opportunity in front of them actually is. Is and and it's unfortunate for guys like Alchenik. Full circle, peace. Yeah. Uh, John, last week there was, and I don't want to give it too much attention, but there was obviously a controversial article that came out. Um, there was one thing that you had in your reply that I actually want to ask you about, in that you made quite a bold claim that uh, you could school people on the ice right now. So I want to know <laughs> what the John Luce scouting report looks like, right? Are you like a power forward, a top four <laughs> man? Like, what what are we looking for in this bag of tricks? Well, I have to correct you, Alex, because I said I could school Rajan Tremblay on the ice. Ah, okay. There you go. I didn't say people. I wouldn't go so far as to say that. Fair but, point. Fair no, point. I, um, I, I played. Uh, I played goal actually for a couple of years in high school hockey and uh, like tier two in Winnipeg, and then uh, in university played intramural, and uh, then since then I've just played um, uh, um, 
pick up or beer league hockey. And I can play a little bit of anything, defense, forward. I'll play center if I have to, although I, I don't like having to, uh, you know, come back deep into my zone all the time, you know. So I like to make the stretch passes or, uh, you know, make the uh, quick outs to the uh, to the wingers and let them do the work. Um, passing is, 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 is my main asset. I don't consider myself a great skater by any means. Uh, and shot is just... I don't know if if one of the guys on the Canadians were to see my shot, they would just instantly say muffin. So, <laughs> you yeah. might not be, you might not be a great skater. You might not have the best shot, but you are known as the best dressed guy in in hockey media. So my question to you is, who is which player is the best dressed that you've seen so far of all time? Ooh, ooh, wow, that's a tough one. Because um, we got we got Austin Matthews is up there. Henry, Henry Lunk, uh, Hank Lundqvist. We got. Who else? I mean, there's a lot of them. I, I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll Subban was always ridiculous get-ups. Get yeah, that too. Sorry, who is that? Subban. Uh, yeah, um, PK for sure. PK likes, uh, he likes to style. Uh, but I think I have to go with Hank, with the, the king. King Henrik is just, uh, because there's a there's a an elegance uh, to him. Um, well, he's married to royalty, Swedish royalty. So, <laughs> come on. Um, he is Swedish royalty. I mean, I don't, oh well, yeah, he's elevated himself to that status yeah. for sure. But uh, no, Hank, uh, he uh, uh, he's not flashy. Like his 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 style is not flashy, but he just wears suits extremely well. You can tell that he has an outstanding tailor because his fits are top notch, and there's a a real elegance and opulence to his to his uh, his wardrobe so i'd say that uh uh hank is probably he'd be number one in my books and it's just a shame that's you know he's gone through the health issues that he has let's hope that he recovers completely and is able to resume his career but if not you know what if he uh, if that's it for him he had a tremendous career i would say probably hall of fame uh, credentials oh for sure yeah i agree John, um, so yeah, get, sticking on this, this point with you being sort of the, the, the best dresser in definitely Montreal media, if, if not beyond, um, if you're looking for an overcoat, do you go like a Chesterfield? Do you go like uh, straight wool or like cashmere or a blend? Like, like you know, because it's got to stand up to Canadian winters. What, what, do you, what, you, what, you looking, what are you looking for? For Montreal winters? Yeah. I wear down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As many feathers as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do they call it? Six hundred weight, fill weight, or whatever. No, uh, but I mean, for an overcoat, like when it's not bone chillingly cold, um, I would say first choice would be cashmere or cashmere blend because it's warmest. Now, yeah. it's yeah, way more expensive, but it's it's still going to keep you warmer. And where we live, it's it, that's a really important consideration. It absolutely is. Uh, John, uh, so early on during, um, you know, when, when the world got shut down, and uh, I want to say in the fall, you actually uh, suffered from COVID and you posted your, uh, your what happened and, and sort of like, uh, not only like your, your reaction to it, but sort of the things you were suffering. And it was kind of cool that you use your platform to show people, hey, look, this is a real thing. I'm not an elderly person. And it, it, had, an, it had an effect on me. Um, so I just want to say, first of all, it's cool that you use your platform to do so. Um, and, and now seeing where we're at, um, are you, given that you've, you've suffered sort of the, you know, the consequences of, of other people's actions and, and that, that we still are dealing with this, um, how do you feel given that we're now in our second lockdown and we're now, uh, still experiencing curfew, uh, what are your what are your feelings like? Given that you've dealt with it on a personal level, 
Uh, well, first of all, I, I think I, I feel like pretty much everybody is that I'm weary. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that we're going through it again, that we've had to go into a curfew. But um, all along, I've my wife and I have been very diligent with listening to what public health experts and um, medical professionals have asked all of us to do because uh, the, the thing about this pandemic that's really been um, eye-opening for me and in a way, a lot of ways disappointing is that um, a lot of people don't seem to grasp the concept that this is not about them. It's not about you, the individual. It's about you doing what's best for everybody around you. It's about taking care of other people. And so I think they're, they're, and I can't speak for every situation. You know what? A lot of people are losing their jobs. They're losing their businesses, their livelihoods. They're losing loved ones. Um, there's there's a whole lot of pain. And I'm not insensitive to that by any means because I've experienced it on different levels um, with friends and colleagues and family members. But um, the fact of the matter is the people that openly and actively flout public health uh recommendations and rules uh, to me that there's there's a, there's an egocentricity to that behavior that I find really disappointing. And I don't know how much of that is directly attributable to the pandemic lasting as long as it has, because you hear about these super spreader events, right? And mm -hmm. how many of those are an asymptomatic person? How many of those are people that know that they're not well and yet they still go and do something irresponsible? So, I mean, there's just far too many instances that just haven't been, uh, that I don't think that they can be tracked or sourced. But all I can say is that um, this is the type of, of uh, watershed moment in, in human humanity's history that will, I think it'll define us for a real long time. You know, because until we get vaccines in wide enough distribution that you will have, quote unquote, herd immunity, I don't like that term, but really the only herd immunity you're going to get is through uh, widespread vaccinations, because the alternative to that certain jurisdictions that think that they could have done that by opening up the economy is that you're just basically sentencing who knows how many people to death at the expense, you know, for the sake of herd immunity. So I really dislike that term. Uh, but um, yeah, once... Once we once we are all safe and, and are capable of going back to some semblance of what our lives were before the pandemic, we're still going to have to be, I think, smart and responsible of how we how we interact and how we behave in, in public. Um, I, personally, I would like to see um, uh, practices like hand sanitizing and social distancing within reason, you know, because I'm a, I'm a hugger, you know, like I love to hug my family and my friends and colleagues. And, and, and so that, that's really a hard thing for a lot of people to accept. I really enjoy hanging out with my friends and colleagues. And so, um, yeah, um, as much as I, I would like to see us all get back to, uh, being able to enjoy life, um, in those simple ways, things that I guess we kind of took for granted before the pandemic, it's still not worth it to 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 risk each other's safety, and so um, yeah, kind of rambling, yeah. but you know we could go on about this for no, hours. for sure. For sure. Oh, no, is your I had a I had a weird conversation with someone uh, recently, where you know he was trying to downplay you know how how bad is this really kind of thing, and I said, well, we're losing a nine eleven amount of people every day, and he says, well, it's not the same thing because that's worldwide. I said, well, New York is part of the same world, so. 
we also lost that many people worldwide that day. You know worldwide what I mean? Like, that day, yeah. You can't you can't disassociate it just because it's not happening in your backyard. It's it's affecting everyone. Um, and and like you, John, I've, I've been disappointed just with you know the science denial and people sort of just being selfish like it, it takes nothing just to, to consider other people out of yourself for a second and uh that's why i was really really appreciative of seeing that post pinned on your on your twitter feed um i'm looking for i know like we're all looking forward to different things opening up and i want to go around around the room see uh what everyone wants looking forward to do when we return to quote unquote normal i'm gonna tip my bartender so much I'm going to, I'm going to go to that dirty, you know, drinking hole I go to. I want to pound way too many beers. That Uber driver is going to give me such a low rating on my way home, <laughs> but I will tip both of them, both the bartender and my Uber driver. So generously. Terry, what are you looking forward to? Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to going straight to the carry hot dog, crushing four mm. hot dogs and one other poutine, sitting at the, sitting at the bar with no mask and just enjoying life. Like I used to. John, you're up next. My wife and I don't have any go-to restaurants, but I really would like to just go in for a real nice meal with my wife and, uh, you know, have lots of wine um, and sit there for as long as we want and just enjoy the evening. Um, yeah, because it's just, again, it's just like the the small pleasures like that that's um, we're able to um, um, just enjoy the moment. Um, nothing, nothing you know, outrageous or spectacular or anything, something simple. I, I'm fine yeah. with that. Although having said that, I really do miss the uh, karaoke nights with my <laughs> colleagues that we have at the end of every hockey season and at Christmas. Oh. We haven't gotten to do one since, um, I think, Christmas 2019. Because last year... We need year, to do a hot sauce uh, John Lou karaoke night. Now it's official. Oh, yeah, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> it's official. Eagle, what song are you picking? Uh, ooh. What was the one that Terry had to do the acapella of? And I'm really right, Carrie. All I want for Christmas is you. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, we're all doing we're all doing a, a gigantic rendition of it. That's what's going on. I'm down. I'm down for that. I think John's down too. I think I think I'm going to change my answer to getting a hug from John Lou because it does sound delightful. Uh, John, thank you so much uh, for the time that you've uh, given us today. Uh, we really had a good time talking to you. Uh, thanks for thanks for indulging us in the nonsense as uh, as we tend to uh, do with our guests. Hey, that was a lot of fun. And uh, ask me anytime, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, it was really, a, it was a pleasure meeting you. Same here. Pleasure Talk to you soon. soon. You bet. And we're back. Thank you, Eagle. I wasn't sure because you didn't count us down. That was an awesome interview with John Lou. The dude is just a sweetheart. Love talking uh, to him. Unbelievable, man. Oh, yeah. I didn't ask him. I wanted to ask him to give me a, a John Lou uh, hot sauce sports Montreal, like to close off. I wanted to clip it and put it you in the intro. You fucked up, Terry. You fucked uh, up. Now I, you're gonna have to message him on something. Twitter and ask him to record it. No, no. Next time he comes on, we'll get him to do it. You know, you know what we should get? Actually, we should get him to sign your Galchenik jersey. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Just sign John Lou. <laughs> that'd be amazing. I'll, I'll I'll send him a tweet. Eagles All right, time. boys, let's get started in this rapid fire here. Uh, the first one is actually some positive news. Um, we talked a couple weeks ago before the Super Bowl um, that the former Kansas City Chiefs assistant, Britt Reed, uh, Andy Reed's son, was behind a wheel, potentially intoxicated. It's still kind of like up in the air. And that there was a young girl that was injured in a car crash. She recently just woke up from her coma. Um, so really happy to hear the kind of the positive, as weird as that sounds, come out from that, that whole situation. Positive that a little girl didn't die because of the negligence of an idiot. Correct. Yeah, it's uh, the Reed family's gone through a lot of stuff. Um, you know, 
the the other uh, Britt Reed's brother and Andy Reed's other son uh, committed suicide a couple of years ago. Um, you know, obviously we don't know how that affects them, but I don't mean that to say that they're the victims. Britt Reed was absolutely not the victim here. Um, if any criminal charges are brought to him, he absolutely deserves them. Uh, it's at the very least reckless endangerment. And I'm just happy that the story, I wouldn't say a happy ending. It didn't have a tragic ending. Absolutely. All right. Next, uh, Margaritaville. So on Colin Cowherd's podcast called The Volume, uh, Joe Buck actually admits that him and Troy Aikman consumed a little bit more than spring water at times. So I told said, Troy this. I said, every broadcast partnership has a different feel. Regardless of who is the analyst, Al Michaels always feels like he's leading the broadcast. Tony Romo is the energizer to Nance. You and Aikman are different. You sound yeah. like college buddies. You sound like exactly you both have a small glass of bourbon that you sip occasionally during the game. And it's an incredibly comfortable experience for me as a consumer. And I'll ask you what I asked Troy. How long did it take to curate that? It took longer for Troy and me to get there than it took Smoltz and I to get there. And, and I'll say this. We have had that glass of bourbon in the booth, uh, although it's not bourbon. It's tequila, <laughs> splash of Grand Marnier, and grapefruit juice. I went oh, wow. through a couple of years where in the first inning of every postseason baseball game, I had the runner go get the biggest beer that the stadium sold. And I had it sitting there, and I would sip it from time to time to remind myself to relax and have fun. I'm just doing a game. And I brought that over to football, but because Troy is a man of finer tastes, beer uh, <laughs> somehow became tequila, Grand Marnier, and grapefruit juice. We haven't done it in a long time now, but it was good for a stretch. And I feel like it's a good mental trigger to just chill and remind yourself that you're not refueling an F-16 in mid-flight. You're doing a sporting event. And if you treat it like anything other than that, you're doing yourself a disservice. Uh, I mean, I think you, I, I don't know if it's you, P's, but are you kind of like off the Joe Buck bandwagon kind of thing? Like you don't, you're not a fan of him. I actually, so I mean, as a broadcaster, to me, he's just a guy. He's fine. Most of these guys are just you know interchangeable. That's why I would say like when they screw up, and by scoop, I don't mean have a glass of bourbon in the booth. I couldn't care less. You don't drive yeah. a forklift. It's fine. You um, the, you know, when they say, when it's like that dude from Cincinnati Reds, where you say something awful and hurtful, no, you don't deserve to keep your job because there's not that many of them. Uh, and you're absolutely replaceable, but Joe Buck's personality, I've heard him tell stories about having like pot brownies before. I've heard him tell stories about drinking his character in Brockmire is hilarious. And now we're playing guys. He's a guy's guy in real life. Um, it's kind of cool. I, I, I just, like I said, it's not hurting anybody. They're having a good time. And again, guys, it's just sports. They play sports. games for a living. But people are mad that they took a sip of bird or tequila while they're... It's fake Twitter rage, dude. People are fake mad all over Twitter. Oh, all my the... God, man. People get over it. Get all right, over. next. Island of Shame. Uh, Arthur Staple of The Athletics said he's going to have to check in on some Sabre fans after a terrible loss to the Islanders. Um, and the, he was showing some of the responses of people on Twitter. One of them said, I bought a cardboard cutout to honor my aunt who passed away. Can I go pick it up so she doesn't have to watch this anymore? <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's the best tweet ever. That knocked that, put that up in the bracket for the Sweet 16 for the best tweets of all time. <laughs> like that's uh, unbelievable. I, 
was like, it was like, man, we've already gotten to that point where we're COVID joking. It's cool. Um, I just, I saw that. How Buffalo are you? I'm so Buffalo. I tweeted at the announcer and I said, can I take my, my dead aunt's picture away from watching the games live? I couldn't believe real people are actually buying those cutouts. Cause like, I just always saw that as like owners finding any way to get money out of fans in any way possible. Like, Oh, we'll put up a cardboard picture watching the game. You can watch the game at home without the cardboard cutout also watching it. Like, it doesn't prevent you from getting your game pass. Yeah, but you can't watch you watching the game live. Oh, so it's like, it's like, like voyeuristic, like soft masturbatory kind of thing. Almost, yeah, almost. I get, now I get it. Now it all makes sense go, yeah. to me. Spend your money. You live <laughs> all right, next. Uh, Snowflake White, uh, many of you may know this. Gina Carano was released from her job on The Mandalorian uh, at Disney. Uh, Dana White had some words to say, to say the least, most, whatever. Um, you know, listen, we, we, so we, we, we make mistakes. We all make mistakes, you know, for, for everybody to go in on her. I love how Erewhonie made it all about him. It was all about him. Such a douche. Um, such a douche. There was a but we could have found there, there was a better audio. I saw this one before, but so Ariel, listen. I mean, Ariel's a lot of things. The one thing he is is not a douche. Correct. And if if Dana White really watched that video, of eight, it's an eight minute long video, and everyone he didn't want to talk about it at all. Everyone didn't, didn't want to say anything, and everybody was like, "You got to say something." He kept on getting tagged. So he's like, and even at the beginning of the video, he said. Listen, I didn't want to say anything, but, you know, there's a lot of attention. People were asking me to say something. Let me say this. And he didn't say anything bad. All he said was it was a little insensitive, and this is what it is. He never made it about himself. He wasn't crying and all that stuff. Like, listen, Ariel Hawani is a very proud person. I mean, he's he's always the first to talk about, you know, uh, uh, to call out anybody that's anti-Semitic and things like that. And, and from Montreal, a Jewish kid from Montreal, you know, we kind of support him here. But Dana White and him have had their beef for a long time. And... I think that anything Ariel Hawani is going to do, Dana White's going to hate. And that's pretty much what you saw there. So there's a couple of things. One is, of course, <laughs> look, the, the thing I don't like about this kind of thing is, you know, yes, Gina Carano said something. It's not something that particularly offended me. Although, let's remember, she works for a corporation. That corporation was Disney. I'm pretty sure they have, you know, sort of protocols and effects saying, hey, listen, you screwed up X amount of times. You screwed up again. All you got to do is apologize. Oh, you don't want to apologize? Sorry, you violated this. You knew what you were doing when you didn't want to apologize. You knew what you were doing when you tweeted this. You've been warned. It happens. Like I don't have I don't have strong feelings one way or another. Like I don't same way. like like if if one of my grocers at IGA gets fired, that doesn't really affect me either. Like for all I know, IGA didn't have a reason. They may have had a reason. I don't know. I'm not in the room. The other thing is, I'm also not going to tell someone what is and what isn't insensitive. If Ariel Hawani is bothered by this as a Jewish person, that's his right. It, it's his it's his right to feel bothered by it or not feel bothered by it. And for Dana White, to me, I said it last week, Terry, I'm starting to get a little like at one point he was cool and edgy. Now he's just becoming a grumpy old man who was like, he's not even a grumpy old man. He's your aunt who's still trying to act cool. But now, like she hasn't realized she's the old one in the room. 
Yeah, so I think I think Dana's gotten to the point where he has all fuck you money, so he doesn't have to kiss anyone's ass anymore. And his true colors are coming out. Like he's just a guy who's a shrewd businessman. He's the best promoter in the history of combat sports. And you know, I won't take any of that away from him. Oh yeah, for sure. And he's just he's that guy. And he if you slight him in the least bit, and Ariel Hawani did slight him, you're done. You're cooked. And that's basically and in, in some cases, slighting him is just you know being a journalist and doing you your know, job. Yeah, I mean, listen, he he went again. Ariel Hawani knew what he was doing when he did when he announced the fight before the UFC announced it with the Brock Lesnar event, and and Dana White got pissed because they pumped. Only reason why Dana White got pissed because they pumped so much money into marketing the announcement and all that stuff for Brock Lesnar to come back, and Ariel Hawani just ruined it with one tweet. You know, so it's like, yeah, it's just it is what it is, and I I get both sides of it, but I'm more just, on the just Ariel like side. just like Ariel Hawani has to face. The consequences of those actions, Gina Carano had to face the consequences of her actions. It's as simple Absolutely. as that. Absolutely. Next, do the hustle. Uh, Bradley Beal uh, makes a great play by making no play after he tries to fetch a ball who goes under uh, goes under the bleachers, essentially, when playing for the Washington Wizards. <laughs> How old school is this, though? This reminds me of like, gym class, and the ball uh, goes like under, under the auditorium, under the stage, and you got to like, crawl is, under there and get it. The I love this, man. Bradley Beal, man. What, what a guy. It. What a guy. Him and John Liu. Like this. Can we have somebody else but Bradley Beal? 1A1B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is, so, like, you know, people talk about, you know, James Harden made it made a racket to get traded. You know, AD made a racket to get traded. This is what happens when you don't. This is what happens when you work with the team. They make you go fetch the ball under the bleachers. <laughs> they literally make you jump through hoops and under bleachers to go get the ball. Um, this is why players make a beef when they want to get traded. And last topic for today, Silver and Stripes. Um, after Lorraine Grows, who's the daughter of the silversmith who crafted the original Lombardi trophy, um, she came out and said she was appalled and demanded an apology from Tom Brady for tossing the trophy from one boat to another. The Buccaneers GM put out a reply with a gif suggesting that she, quote, lighten up, Francis. Francis? A gif? It's a gif. Jif. Gif. The creator of it unfortunately says Jif, but I'm with you, Terry. Jif's on stupid. So I, I sent that. So when this happened, I sent out a tweet. Um, I, I got into a fender bender once. The daughter of the guy that assembled the bumper demanded an apology. I told her mm -hmm. to go fuck yourself. So that, this, that's the thing is like, I don't know who this person thinks she is. You didn't. First of all, you didn't make the, the, Super, the Super Bowl. It wasn't even you. This also wasn't the trophy that her father made. Oh, there you go. Even worse. They I don't even many. know that part. And they don't let, I'm sure they don't let teams party with the one and only trophy. And also, like, does this chick not have the internet? Because, like, Grant dented by bunting a year ago with Julian Edelman. Um, guys have, like, done lines off it, I'm sure. Uh, oh, the Stanley Cup is famous for how many people's semen and how many people have drank alcohol out of that cup. Um, everyone basically gets sick immediately after. Guys, this is what teams do. This is what happens. It's it's the epicenter of joy. You're made you made something that makes people so joyous they get hammered on a boat and throw shit at each other. <laughs> and that's gonna be it for this show, boys. Good stuff. Love it. That was awesome. Uh John Lou was great. I had a great time talking to him. Uh 
If you want to get that interview, you can uh, get it as part of this show. If you want to catch all of our interviews, we do cut them up. We put them on social media. Uh, for that, of course, you need to follow us on our social media platforms. Remember to like us. Do subscribe to the show. That way, when new show comes out, you'll be the first to be notified. And just like when you're me, just missing out on a new pair of Jordans, you don't want to be that. You want to be the one who gets in on that. The way you do that is you hit subscribe. Uh, Terry, thank you for all the work you've done today. Eagle, thank you for all the production work and for asking the most difficult questions in the John Lou interview. Totally appreciate you, man. Uh, thank you all for those who have registered uh, and have liked our stuff. We appreciate you every day. And most importantly, thank you all for letting me be myself. You've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. Weirdly said register and subscribe. Not registry for anything. <laughs> I mean, what if they could register? Should we have a registry? People can send us stuff? Yeah. You can register to all our social media. 